you're listening to a Two Jackets podcast. Check out more at twojackets.com. Welcome to Sham Fiction, the podcast where we break the first rule of fan fiction, that you have to be a fan to write it. We're Two Jackets Productions. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. And I'm Marcus. Here's the format. Each installment, Andrew, Eric, or Marcus will be presented with a media franchise that they are unfamiliar with and challenged to write fan fiction about it. We'll start by giving the author some basics, like characters, overarching plots, and those special elements that make each franchise great. The author will then take this info, throw out what they don't like, add a generous helping of creative license, and come back ready to read their masterpiece for all of us to enjoy. It's fan fiction written by non-fans. It's sham fiction. This week's author is Andrew. All right, guys. It's episode two. We're here. We're back at the sham fiction. I'm writing this time. I'm pumped. Lay it on me. What is it? What am I going to be writing this week? I have really mixed emotions on this one, Andrew, because I'm really excited for you to write it, but I'm really ashamed that you are able to write it because it means (laughs) that you have never seen... Star Trek The Next Generation, which basically raised me along with my parents. You've never seen Star Trek The Next Generation? Uh, uh, no. No, Good no I haven't. All right, so <laughs> Star Trek, you may know from the recent uh, 2009 reboot done by J.J. Abrams, but Ooh. we're talking about the second series that they did. Technically third, if you count the animated series, which I don't. Oh, the animated, that's right. Uh, I could go on for hours about Star Trek, so I'll try to, try to focus up here. The second series, Star Trek The Next Generation, was created by Gene Roddenberry. This was done back when Gene Roddenberry, the creator of the original Star Trek, was still alive. So he started and he produced the show for the first couple seasons. And the producers on the show were Gene Roddenberry and Rick Berman. The showrunners were Maurice Hurley, Michael Piller, and Jerry Taylor. The show is notable for bringing in a lot of established science fiction writers. They had a really crazy policy where people could just send in scripts, and if they liked them, they would buy them and produce them, which is how... That's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. Ronald D. Moore, uh, the Battlestar Galactica reboot mastermind, who's now doing Outlander, he started his career by slipping a Star Trek script on a studio tour, I believe, or or something similar to that. My gosh. And and just think, if we had been doing this show 20 years sooner, Andrew Neal could have been added to the uh, exalted list of notable writers. There we go. (laughs) Just slip my sham fiction under the door. Right there. (laughs) Uh, So the show has an amazing cast. We're going to be talking about season one, specifically talking about the pilot. So the cast list does change as the series goes on. But you got the main man, Patrick Stewart, at the head of the ship. He's the captain, Jean-Luc Picard. You've got Jonathan Frakes. You've got LeVar Burton, Denise Crosby, who might not stick around for long, Michael Dorn, <laughs> Gates McFadden, <laughs> Marina Sirtis, Brent Spiner, and the ever-lovable Will Wheaton. Will! Will Wheaton! So, fantastic. We're talking about the pilot, which is called The Encounter at Far Point. It was a two-part episode. And get this, it was co-written by Gene Roddenberry and the amazing D.C. Fontana, who is, uh, she's still alive, she's an awesome woman. Her name is Dorothy Catherine Fontana. She was originally Gene Roddenberry's secretary, but she wrote on a bunch of Star Trek. That's crazy. That's so cool. Yeah, she co-wrote the pilot with him. Really impressive. Wow. Um, This pilot was directed by Corey Allen back in 1987. The series ran seven seasons to 1994. 
1987. This, this, this us. property is was, is older than than all of us. Yeah, I I, I was born. It, yeah, I would have started before I was born. I was yeah, born I think this came out in September yeah. of '87. Mm-hmm. So now wow. you can watch the beautiful HD remasters on Netflix, Amazon, CBS All Access. I have the Blu-rays. Uh, you know, so don't come over to my house, but know <laughs> that I have the Blu-rays. <laughs> And That's fantastic. We had to do Star Trek because, one, again, it's shocking to me that Andrew's not seen Star Trek The Next Generation. But this is one of the first shows I remember watching. I watched the mm-hmm. last season or two live on the air. This is uh, something my dad was a big fan of Star Trek. When he came back, he was a, a army brat. He came back to the U.S. from Germany. The first show he saw was Star Trek The Original Series. So it was a big part of our family growing up. And I love Star Trek. What was your experience with Star Trek, Eric? Uh, very similar. My dad wasn't an army brat, but it was the same sort of thing. We would watch the show together. Uh, this was a little early for me. Like, I may have seen uh, the last season or something when it was on, uh, but I would have only been about six. Uh, the movies are huge. Oh, yeah. I, I saw all the movies when they came out. Absolutely love the features uh, with this cast. Um, I think that uh, that Patrick Stewart, uh, Jean-Luc Picard's the best captain in the whole Star Trek uh, universe. Yes. Uh, it, with a close second being Janeway, but I have a soft spot in my heart for Voyager. Maybe we can do that in a future episode. I like the sound of that. Uh, but, uh, but no, uh, Next Generation was the uh, Star Trek uh, when I first started watching these shows, and it's stuck with me ever since. It's so exciting to be able to go back and watch these early episodes. First season... I have feelings, yeah, but, but this episode is actually really, really good. It gets super Star Trek-y, super, super classic sci-fi. It's got all the, the tropes with the aliens and the mysteries and, and, and exploring humanity, uh, and we'll get into that. Uh, but it's there's a lot to love about this first episode so it's i think it's a good good place to start with andrew uh star trek virgin neil yeah why haven't you seen star trek the next generation andrew do you have a wife a girlfriend who won't let you have it on (laughs) no that's not the case i mean star trek to me um i mean star trek in 2009 the jj abrams one was like my favorite movie that year i mean i dug that so much and i know that's like the original you know based on the original characters and all but no, uh, TNG, Star Trek in general, um, and this even goes to Star Wars, which I have seen. Let me just quickly <laughs> say that. <laughs> all of Star Wars, I've seen all of that. But I found that independently. I mean, that was all, I mean, my dad, um, you know, you guys, you were introduced to this by your fathers. Um, I know a lot of people are perhaps, you know, they either grew up with it, like their brothers or sisters, you know, introduced them to it. Um, nobody older than me and my family watched this show, so... I I didn't have anybody introduce it to me. I didn't watch a lot of TV, um, so this 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 wasn't really a part of my upbringing at all. Well, it's gonna be part of your life going forward, and someday I'll sit you down, <laughs> Clockwork Orange style, and we'll watch the best episodes. But before that, before you watch any of it, of course we gotta have you write it because otherwise this wanna be sham fiction. So let's talk a little bit about the setup. We're mostly gonna focus on the first episode, the encounter at Farpoint. Uh, this is obviously a sci-fi show. It takes place in the year 2364, which is 70 years after the original series. Uh, the genre is sci-fi, but I'd also say the genre is really Star Trek, which is a specific type of hopeful, utopian, future sci-fi. 
the conflicts are not violent. They're not bloody. They're they're peaceful. They're uh, in the mind. Oh, we'll see about that. <laughs> it's, it's true. <laughs> the Andrew writing it. It's going to be the bloodbath that we've all been fearing. Yep. Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, so the general plot of the first episode is you are on the first mission of the Enterprise D. The USS Enterprise NCC-1701-D, which is the name of the ship. Uh, it's a, it's a galaxy <laughs> ship. I may have had a model of it when I was in third grade. Uh, may have had a no, couple so Who knows? This is the first mission? This is the first this time they've the first ever mission. gone out? Yep. Okay. So this is the top line in the fleet, and their mission is to explore strange new worlds. They're going out to the frontier, the edge of known space, and just seeing what's around, because humanity is a group of explorers. So it's a very hopeful show. There, there's a lot of mystery to it, a lot of fun. Uh, the characters that we're going to deal with here are your, your captain, your Jean-Luc Picard, who is Patrick Stewart. He's the, the captain. He has a number one, his first officer, Will Riker. Uh, you remember from seeing the Star Trek movie that Kirk is just a devil-may-care kind of guy. He's a lady killer, and he will put his life in jeopardy constantly. Next Generation was kind of an answer to that, where they said, you know, it's really poor for a military organization to have their captain in jeopardy every week. So they made the first officer <laughs> the guy who goes on the away parties, who gets out there, who gets the love and who gets the danger. So that's important. And that's thing Riker. That's Riker. Riker. That's was William that Riker. That's Riker. So they found a really handsome-ish, svelte young guy. Uh, definitely not a beard on him. Not in uh, season one. Do not write a beard <laughs> on him. Okay, no beard. Right or, or a paunch. Do not write either of those things onto him <laughs> no until beards, we get to the later stages. No, <laughs> no beard, no paunch. You got it. <laughs> so uh, in this, in this, uh, yeah, we, you got it right so far. The captain, the first officer, who's next, who's important on the bridge? So you've got Lieutenant Data. I, I'm going to get the Ooh, ranks yeah. wrong because they change the ranks all the time. But Data, he's an android, which means he can't use contractions like I just did. He cannot use contractions. That's the important thing for him. He's okay. got kind of a goldish... Most important thing. <laughs> yep. He's got kind of a goldish look, and he has inexplicably gaps in his knowledge of human interaction. He can pull up every piece of information available to mankind, but he can't feel love, which makes him near and dear to my heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got an engineering, uh, Jordy LaForge, who's a cool guy. He's the guy from Reading Rainbow, LeVar Burton. He has a visor over his eyes that lets him see the magnetic spectrum because he was born blind, but it's the future, so that doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. You have a badass uh, lieutenant in charge of security uh, who's played by Denise Crosby. That's Tasha Yar is the character. Tasha Yar is the chief of security. She could kick your tail, all right? And she would if she was around past the first season. Uh, oh no! Then who, who else do we have in the cast here? Aaron? Uh, for, so the only other person, especially for this first episode, that really matters as far as the plot goes, is uh, is Deanna Troy. Oh yes, who is our psychic, our seer, our our feeler, well, somewhat our, psychic, <laughs> our our hypersensitive emotion feeler. Yep. Uh, I don't know what the word is. She's half human, half something Betazoid. else. Betazoid. Betazoid. Probably. Betazoid? Which means she can she has the ability to open her mind and be able to uh, more or less feel the emotions of other She's beings. an empath, is, is what it's that, called. That's, that's the word. 
Uh, but she's the only one, other one that really plays an important role in this episode. There are other characters for sure, other people on the bridge, other people we sort of meet for a second. But for the interests of sham fiction and keeping things simple, we'll just we'll just stick to those. Well, so really quick, so Deanna Troy, she is on the crew, or she is the she's the ship's person. counselor, and she stays on the bridge. So she works with the main command crew for whatever reason. Uh, okay. Be- because when your captain is a no-nonsense, feel-nothing badass named Jean-Luc Picard, you need to have a uh, a, a soft, intelligent, uh, feeling person next to you at all times. Oh, that's a good point. And the exciting thing is that uh, Deanna Troy used to be lovers with our oh. young, roguish William Riker, and they didn't know they were going to be on the same ship because they're both horrible at their job and didn't look at the crew roster. Exactly. Ooh. Oh, it's it's hinted mad. There are some looks in this episode that could kill. Oh yes, and they but they he, can do a telepathic communication. Uh, ooh. He he was her Mzadi, so that's Ugh. that's out there. Ugh. Well, wait, wait, say that word again. Mzadi. Which I don't know what does I, that mean. I assume it means super secret Betazoid lover. Forever. It's, it's just it's just sci-fi, Andrew. Yep. Just M-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z
they go down to the planet, which has this station that this guy from the planet, a local, is trying to sell them. The station is amazing. It's luxurious, even by human standards. But then weird stuff starts coming as they investigate it. Riker says, hey, I want an apple, and an apple magically appears. And the owner, the Dragmar or so, I can't remember what he was called. It's a, st- it's a stupid uh, name, don't worry yeah, about so it. Yeah, <laughs> so the, the owner of this station says, oh, you just missed it. And things like that keep happening. A, a roll of fabric shows up for the doctor, and it just seems like the station has a supernatural ability to fulfill their wishes. Uh, when they leave the office of the owner of the station, he starts yelling at someone or something and saying, don't do that, you're going to give us away, don't make me hurt you again. So that is the Ooh. setup that we have. And when we have an away team down to the planet, uh, down to the station itself, uh, Deanna Troy, the empath, uh, she opens her mind and all she can sense is, is an overwhelming feeling of of pain and of loneliness. And half the episode is a close-up of Deanna Troy with the, her face all scrunched up it is in scrunched. agony. It is just scrunched. Just, just, just she's like, she's like, feeling uh, so hard. Yep. They're so hard. And, uh, and that's the episode. But there's something going on. There's this overwhelming, mysterious, misplaced feeling of loss. So that's what we want you to do. Starfleet is this hopeful organization. They've gone to the edge of the stars. You have an untested crew. There's maybe not a lot of trust between the first officer and the captain at this point. And we want to see how they solve that mission peacefully. How they prove that humanity is worth keeping alive and worth being allowed to venture out further into the stars. And uh, the last thing to know about Q is he's very funny. He, He likes toying with the people. Uh, he's played he likes by, silly costumes. Yep, he likes silly costumes. He's played by John DeLancey, who's phenomenal. You remember him from the West Wing. He dated Joey Lucas. And it's uh, just a fun show. So keep it hopeful. Investigate the mystery. And I know this is going to be against everything uh, that is in your being, Andrew. But <laughs> if if something possibly violent is going to happen... Make sure you avoid that action scene at all cost. Action scenes are expensive, Andrew. We can't <laughs> and that's, budget. That's that's what I got from this episode. There's this, and I gotta just go into this for just a minute. There's this amazing thing that they do with the Starship Enterprise it, early on in this episode when they're when they're like trying to get away from Q, is they do this thing where they separate the Enterprise into two pieces. Yeah. There's the top saucer part, and then the weird handle of the pizza cutter part. Yeah, uh, and they separate, and they go to what is called the Battle Bridge, which is a second bridge that they built in the bottom half of the Enterprise. And ooh, Battle Bridge! It's called a Battle Bridge. That's the bridge they use when they get in fights. And then they just they wait for literally two minutes, and nothing happens. No shots are fired, and nothing. They nothing no, they they do fire torpedoes at Q. Although no, it's that, useless. no, I, I I'm gonna mm. I'm going to point out they shot torpedoes before they separated. Oh, to just into space. That's just right. Just into space in the vague direction of Q, so that they wouldn't <laughs> see the separation. But then, when the separation occurred, Jack happened. That's, Absolutely that's nothing. <laughs> and. I, I will yeah. point out how crazy reckless it is that there are thousands of civilians on this starship. Isn't that, that is crazy? Going into Exploring. the unknown. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's you, fantastic. You could just 
set them up in a nice hotel maybe and there's some really great uh b-roll shots of just like all the the residents of the ship just kind of placidly walking around oh it's like even during the separation emergency uh uh beacons are blaring and then all these people are just do, 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 happy time it's great no yeah. violence andrew so no violence uh I think we've given you a pretty good overview here. If you want to <laughs> see what we've said, maybe we haven't said anything at all. Yeah. Any questions? Oh man. Um. So just a few clarifying things. So Farpoint, that's the name of the planet. It's the name of the separate station. From this. Okay. So that's the name of the station, which is separate from the planet. It's on the planet. Yeah. It's like so a like a when military. He, when he base. says, yeah, it's just a base. It's a station, but it's not a space station. It's just a station. It's a land station. <laughs> it's a land station. Why did why they didn't call it Farpoint Land Station? I have no idea. All right, so it's on the planet, <laughs> and that's where Q is. He's in this nope. station. Q just just appears on the ship, and he can teleport them to other places. When they have the trial, he recreates a post nuclear war trial arena that was back on Earth before we got our stuff together. Uh, so he is complete magic. Anything you can imagine he can do. His go-to move in this is freezing people. Not in carbonite, <laughs> yeah. but just in ice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in it's ice? more inventive Okay, so it's on. not like, it's not just people just like stopping and just like posing. It's no. like actual like, like ice. Somebody turns a, uh, a fire extinguisher on them yeah. and they get frozen. <laughs> yep, that's, that's his move. He, he likes that in this one. Doesn't really come back, but he likes it in this one. Got tired of it. Okay, man. So that's interesting. So yeah, Q is just this very so this very first episode of the show. This godlike being just appears on their ship. It's a good way to start. Yeah, that is that is quite an interesting because like the mystery of it seems kind of like these two separate things with the Q's trials and then also the investigation of Farpoint. It absolutely is. That, is. Yep. This two, is two, two separate tracks. Se- two separate tracks. Mm-hmm. Is that where the like the top and bottom split? So we see, like, some characters no. go to the trials. And <laughs> no, some there's, go- like, no consequence to that. Later on, they just meet back up, and it, I guess that Riker okay. eyeballs it, even. He, that's yeah. just to prove how good he for, is. For some reason. But the, the two different stories are, uh, it, it frames it. It starts with, hey, we're going to give you the trial, and then the mission to Farpoint is how we decide yay or nay, live or die. Okay, so the mission on Farpoint is the trial. So, yep, the, yes. the uh, whether they live or die is the stakes that's added to the Farpoint mission. Okay. So Q will kill just the ship, just or he will go back and kill everybody on Earth. He, he's probably going to kill the ship. He's not going to kill everyone on Earth. He just doesn't want them coming this far out into space. He thinks it's a oh. bold move. Not, It's not something that, uh, that he thinks humanity should be doing, so he's just going to... Yeah, they're not they're down. not ready for it. They're a, a savage child race. Child race. I, I that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, so just really really quick kind of like with this um so the goal with the enterprise is to colonize. I mean, with all these civilians, why are these civilians there? Like you said they're just it is there for the weird. ride, baby. They're just they're there, there for, for the ride. So the idea here is that it's it's a, an ongoing mission yep. uh, of exploration. So it's a giant ship. They can fit the families of the officers. So it's like, "Oh, well our doctor has to be here, but he's she's got a son." So uh, there's room. Bring the sun, and everybody just brings their families. It's a. It's just weird. I don't know. But they're they're also is. unrelated families because you might be looking for love. 
Oh, really? There are just randos? Yeah, there are. There are literally thousands of people on the Enterprise. Why? All right. Well, we don't have the answer to that question. No, that's okay. You don't need Uh, it. It probably won't factor in all that much other than maybe the stakes of the people on board. Oh, yes. Very much so. Oh, I mean, that is I that mean, is weighing in the the captain's mind this yeah. entire episode the lives of all the people who are for some reason on his boat. We'll have to have you do more Star Trek later because there are so many things that I want to talk about. But why, why don't you give us a summary of what you got and any last yeah, questions? Absolutely. So we're I'm doing Star Trek: The Next Generation, uh, the pilot episode, the encounter at Farpoint. Um, the year is 2064. Uh, this is the Starship Enterprise. It's investigating the frontier of space. Its captain is John Luke Picard, Patrick Stewart. Oh, man, I'm excited for that. Uh, <laughs> Will Riker, who has no beard and, <laughs> and no punch. That's right. <laughs> He's the first star officer. He's the guy that he does. It seems like he does the dirty work. While the captain calls the shots, Riker does the dirty work on the planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, Data, who's an android. He does. There's no contractions. Can't feel love because he's a robot. Got it. Um, uh, Jordy <laughs> LaForge, it. who's blind but not blind because he wears a visor. <laughs> That's it. all I wrote down for him. Um, always Lavar Burton, Reader and Rainbow. Tasha Yar, who died at the end of the first season, I guess. Um, <laughs> Deanna Troy, who's uh, half human, half Betazoid. Oh, I love that. That's getting in there somewhere. She's an empath, um, and she and Riker. We're former lovers. Yeah, they Mzadis. were. You got it. You got it. <laughs> Is it M- they were Mzadis or it's Up like to you, my friend. M's- Up to you. I love it. Great. And then, of course, Worf, who's going to be a huge part of this because he's angry and yells at everything. <laughs> um, and a Klingon. That's awesome. All right. So these guys, they're scouting a Federation station that's on this planet. Um, but on their way, they meet Q, who is this godlike being who thinks that humanity is childlike and is ex- its reach is exceeding, you know, whatever that saying is that I'm forgetting right now. Um, <laughs> and Picard wants to prove that guy wrong. So Q presents this trial. They need to go and investigate Farpoint and see what's going on there. There's a mystery in need of solving, and depending on how they solve it, humanity will be will be you know live or die or whatever. Uh, the station has supernatural abilities, like things that you desire just appear, which is weird. It's pretty but weird. Troy, the empath, is sensing something, something dark, a feeling of loss on this planet. So something is going mm-hmm. up. Absolutely. Or going uh, on. Um, and action scenes are just expensive, so this is not going to be an action scene. It sounds like this is going to be like two pages of people just sitting on a spaceship waiting for something to oh, happen. He, he's got this. He's got this show down pat. I mean, Slide that like... script under Mr. Roddenberry's desk. <laughs> I mean, I think that's what this is going to be. That's um, fantastic. Oh, and Q freezes people in ice, which is there probably going to happen. Or somebody's going <laughs> to start the scene still frozen in ice from when Q was aboard. Um, so bonus points uh, oh, yes. when you're writing this, for me at least, um, is the lines uh, make it so ooh make it so and engage ooh those are Picard's uh, go-to lines specifically from Picard okay That's very I'll write important. that down I, yep Picard has to say both those lines or you're not getting my points oh he has to say both of them both both, both of them okay both okay with an L <laughs> uh, so I will. I, I will give you bonus points, but there's one commandment that you have, which is that oh. if Picard is talking to Commander Riker, he needs to refer to him as number one. 
That is, okay, that's a Riker good point. is that number is a, one. Only when Picard is talking to him. Because he's his number one man. To, to everyone else, he's Commander Riker. That's right. Or Slick but. Willie. Either way. <laughs> oh, God. Is that what Troy calls him? Who knows? Oh, hello. Who knows how the anxiety do it? You uh, are the captain now. So the bonus points I will give you is if you can work in a captain's log, which is a key component. Oh, yeah. uh, it always oh, starts captain's, captain's log. log. Star date. And then there's a star date. Uh, for the record, this star date is 41153.7, in case you couldn't do the conversion in your head. 41153.7. Yep. So, yeah, do a, do a captain's log and share a personal thought that might upset the crew <laughs> in the captain's log. That's what I'm going for. All right. It's a good captain's way to start your scene. very specific. That is a very good way to open this. All captain's acts. Log. I'm basically giving show, you the bonus point. Come on. That sounds like a lot of fun. No, right. I, I'm def- like that's gonna that's gonna be hit. That's gonna kick us you off. You can get all your bonus lock. points in the first sentence. Yeah, <laughs> this oh. is gonna be a piece of cake. <laughs> captain's log number one. All right, <laughs> captain's log number one. Make it so engage. Okay, now let's stop. <laughs> all right, you have fun, sir. We we can't oh, wait to I'm hear what you enjoy. The hell out of this, uh, guys. I know this is it's amazing that I haven't seen this show, but. If I had, we wouldn't be doing this right now. So it's kind of a blessing in disguise. So thanks for the great description. I'm going to get off and write this thing. Be back in a minute. Hey, Sham listeners. If you like the show, there are two things you can do that will really help us out. The first is subscribe. You'll get a new episode every week in 2016 without fail. That's our pledge to you. And that will be delivered automatically to your device. Beyond that, you could really help us out by writing a review. Let other people know what the show's about, what your experience has been. And if it's positive, all the better. If you don't feel like you can write a positive review, think about it as a writing challenge. You think you're better than us? Write a sham fiction of a good review. Make us believe that you believe in us. I know you can do it. Anyway, thanks for listening. All right, well, while Andrew's writing, let's talk a little bit about what we expect to see here. Yeah, let's wrap uh, our secret, uh, secret bonus points, if you will. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so yeah, what do, you, what do you think he's going to do? Well, I, I got to say, Andrew, the violent, violent man that he is, although we told him explicitly that the Federation is not a warlike culture and he needs yes. to have peaceful solutions, I expect since we gave him Worf, Worf is going to deck somebody. Okay. That's, that's my big guess. That's my okay. secret bonus point. I want Andrew's animal nature to overcome the sanctity of the Federation. Gotcha. Okay, that's good. Um, yeah, no, I, I this is this is tricky because we gave Andrew something specifically that we knew he would be challenging for him. Um, yeah. But at the same time, uh, he's not completely ignorant to Star Trek. Uh, he Fair. at least knows the 2009 uh, reboot, the J.J. Abrams version. So I wonder how much of that sort of uh, sparkly Star Warsy feel this is going to have. Do you like, expect there will be lens flare in his story? I expect bravado. Lots of bravado. Um, I think uh, that Riker is going to play heavily in this. Uh, you think mm. Worf, I think Riker. Like, if if Riker uh, is... I think my bonus point is that Riker has to be hitting on somebody. Actually, <laughs> I'm going to take it a step further. Uh, there's going to be extra double secret bonus points if he hits on at least two people. All right. Yeah. I think that's pretty good. That's good. So let's well, uh, let's, let's bring see him if he's back. Ready. Let's see. Yeah, see what he said. Cool, cool, cool. 
Gentlemen, I have returned to you. Hooray! From deep space. <laughs> from Farpoint Station. Oh, I have returned I'm so to tell a tale of the USS Enterprise <laughs> and Star Trek. Ooh. Are you excited? Which Star Trek? <laughs> What's that? Which Star Trek? Uh, I've forgotten. Let me think about that. <laughs> Off to a good start. I made my own. Fantastic! <laughs> Yay! No, no. It's TNG. It's the next generation. Thank you. Uh, and I'm very excited for you guys to hear this. I, I'm feeling pretty good about this one. Uh, it was a lot of fun to write. So, good. what do you think? Should I? Should we just dive into this thing? Oh, gosh. Please. All right. Uh, just a disclaimer. Make it so. <laughs> just a disclaimer. Uh, I am going to be doing voices, mm-hmm. as you do. <laughs> And the, uh, my my Picard, my my Patrick Stewart, might slip into Sean Connery at some point. <laughs> Just so you're aware. And I, I practice this with myself a little bit, but not too much. <laughs> so, uh, oh, all right, here we go. Go for it. Captain's log. Star date six four one one eight point three. Something's rotten in the station of Farpoint. <laughs> Science officer Data has reported that First Lieutenant Riker and his field unit has been incapacitated while investigating a strange computer system, thought to be of alien origin. Data believes this computer to be the cause of apparent supernatural phenomena experienced by those inhabiting the station. He has suggested that I personally join him on the surface to put this issue to rest. While unconventional, given my rank, I have decided to honor his decision. I have little doubt of this situation's connection to the challenge presented by the being Q and wish to see it done successfully. My crew's safety depends on it. I have, I have left Second Lieutenant Worf in charge of the bridge in my absence and will now proceed to the beaming chamber. End law. Picard felt the solid metal floor underfoot as his weight returned to him. Although only moments ago he stood on, the ble- on a beaming platform aboard his vessel, the USS Enterprise, he now stood thousands of miles away in the massive central atrium of Farpoint Station. He was flanked by two soldiers on either shoulder, all carried phasers at the ready. Set to stun, the captain ordered. They did as he commanded. A door to his right parted open with a soft hiss. Science Officer Data appeared through it. Captain, please, right this way. The android gestured to, gestured to the passage behind him. Officer Data l- led Picard and his crew through a series of long, tube-like passageways. Though made of transparent plastic, little outside could be seen, as harsh winds blew up thick clouds of brown dust. As he walked, Picard watched the dust curl and twist across the enclosure. What secrets did these conditions obscure? Full report, Officer Data, he commanded. I traced a series of cable made of an unidentified material to the hub station ahead, Data explained. Upon reaching the hub, Lieutenant Riker and the rest of the unit joined me inside. While searching the room for the network's source, I heard phaser fire. I found my way back to the room's entrance, where I found our medical officer dragging Lieutenant Riker into the exterior vestibule. Lieutenant Riker was unconscious. The officer claims that the remaining members of the unit opened fire on one another without warning. Lieutenant Riker was hit during the skirmish, but thankfully he stunned the initial attackers before being disabled himself. Has he awoken? Picard asked. Not before I had left to welcome you, sir, 
Data replied. Data led them into the vestibule to the hub station. A woman in the blue uniform of a medical officer knelt over Lieutenant Riker, who was awake but obviously disoriented. An additional man and woman in red uniforms lay unconscious nearby as Picard and his, and his party approached. Medical officer, report, he said. At this, the officer immediately stood at attention. Captain Picard, Lieutenant Riker has only just awoken and has been mostly incoherent thus far. He's repeating himself over and over. At ease, officer, Picard began. Continue to your work. The officer knelt back down to Riker. Parker, Picard joined her. The first lieutenant stared directly ahead. His pupils were dilated. He didn't seem to notice Picard or the medical officer's presence and continued to mutter inaudibly. Number one, Picard said. <laughs> Number one, can you hear me? Riker didn't respond. Picard leaned closer and positioned an ear next to the man's mouth. Here, he heard what the man was saying. The captain's stomach tensed. What is he saying? The medical officer asked. I, I can't make it out. Imzadi, Picard replied softly. <laughs> what? She asked again. Picard stood. Imzadi, he said. Please, continue to your work, officer. She nodded and complied. Picard looked from her to the hub station door and back to his science officer. Officer Data, in Lieutenant Riker's report earlier today, he mentioned supernatural phenomenon appearing across the station. Can you elaborate? As best as I am able, sir, the android began. Based on the experiences of today, I have posited that this station is somehow able to conjure objects based on human desire. One only needs to vocally state what he or she wants, and that object will appear physically to him or her. Show me this, Picard said. Officer Data's chin dropped slightly before he responded. I'm afraid I cannot, sir. The effect only applies to human desire. As an artificial intelligence, I am exempt. <laughs> Additionally, this room seems to be exempt. Officer Garvey, would you demonstrate? The medical officer perked up at this. Yes, uh, of course, Officer Data, she replied. I want a bottle of water to quench my thirst. Picard and his unit waited expectantly, but nothing happened. Picard turned back to his science officer. Why do you believe this room to be exempt? I believe it to be a neutral zone, sir. A safe place to escape an event like we here have experienced. This hub contains the source of the network causing these phenomena. I have seen it. However, in that room, perhaps due to proximity, the effect isn't limited to verbalized stimuli. It can sense neurological patterns in the human brain and use that information to materialize the object of desire desire. Officer Garvey can attest. Picard looked to the medical officer. The color had drained from her face. She nodded without looking up. Why have you not gone back in to disable it? Picard asked Data. I tried, sir, but I need a human to join me in the room. I only saw the source when it was activated by the presence of a human. Picard looked down at the unconscious crew members beside Riker. What had they seen that had caused them to lash out at one another? I will assist you, Officer Data, he said. He then turned to the crew members in his party. I will not risk any more of my crew to the effects of this infernal system. He pulled his <laughs> phaser from his belt and handed it to the soldier on his right. If I do not see myself when I exit that room, do not hesitate, he instructed the man. Engage. <laughs> yes, yes. The man looked as if he wanted to retort, but he didn't. 
Yes, Captain, he said. Picard gave him an appreciative nod, then turned to Data. Lead the way, Officer Data. Affirmative, sir. Data proceeded to the door. He hit the release, and it parted with a hiss. Data entered the darkened room and stood next to the interior door release. Picard followed. As he crossed the threshold, Data closed the door. The room was large and octagonal in shape. Its eight sides curved upward to form a dome, but they were constructed from metal plating, not transparent plastic. Two massive banks of servers towered before Picard, creating a corridor toward the, toward the network hub at the room's center. Picard followed Data between the server banks toward the hub. It was cold in the room, to keep the servers from overheating. Picard could see each cloud of breath escape his lungs. He noted that no such clouds escaped his android companion, who turned to him as they reached the room center. Captain, I would suggest you stay in here, in sight of the exit, in case you need to make a swift exit. I will be in the posterior section of the chamber, where I believe the source to be located. Once the source presents itself, I will work to deactivate it. However, I will need you to keep the system occupied and active while I do so. Picard nodded. With that, the android walked away and disappeared behind a server bank across the room. Not a moment later, Picard heard a voice from behind. Jean-Luc? It said. To Picard, the temperature of the room seemed to drop several degrees. A shiver overcame his steady posture. He knew the voice, but he did not turn around. Jean-Luc? It, it repeated. Is it not you? Please, turn. <laughs> Let me look at you. He hesitated before replying. I cannot, he said. I will not. But why not, Mon Amour? Picard tensed. The likeness of the voice was uncanny. How was this possible? Because you are not real, he replied firmly. It did not answer right away. Picard wondered if it had gone, but he didn't dare turn. Not until he heard from Officer Data. How do I prove it to you? He had finally replied. There's nothing to prove, he said. Le please, leave me be. What about a story? It said. Leave me be, I said. His voice broke slightly as he spoke. How about Normandy? 2039? <laughs> Picard felt the sensation in his eyes then. Tears began to form. Normally, he would have wiped them away, but his arms felt numb. The voice continued. You came to visit me. You were on leave from the academy. I remember because you were wearing your beautiful formal uniform. I was walking home from the market, arms full of bags, and I caught sight of you standing at my front door, hand raised to knock. But you stopped before your hand ever made contact. It was as if you sensed me. Then you turned around, and our eyes met. I was so excited, I threw my bags into the air and ran to you. You met me halfway, <laughs> and do you remember? Do you remember the rest? I do. Picard replied. <laughs> his vision blurred from the tears welling in his eyes. We embraced, and as we did, we were enveloped by a cloud of powdered sugar. <laughs> a bag had torn open when you tossed it away. You looked at me, and I looked at you. Picard trailed off. You looked at me, she said, and he turned to her. And together, 
We shared the sweetest kiss I've ever had, he replied. Indeed, she was there, flung out of the memory before him, exactly as he remembered. I thought I'd lost you, he said. A tear ran down his face. Just then, Officer Data came over the comm. Captain, I have located the source. Do I have the order to disable the system? The android's voice seemed so distant. Picard gazed at her face. It hadn't aged a day. It was the same face he had looked into all those years ago in France. Captain, do you read? Data asked. He approached her. They were now only inches apart. Her hair, her skin. Captain. Her eyes. He gazed into them as deeply as he had outside her house that day, as sugar swirled around them. He gazed into them. But he saw nothing. They were her eyes, yes. Wide, blue, lovely, but behind them. Captain, do I have the order? Data insisted. In that moment, he chose to look at her eyes rather than into them. He took in the rest of her face. Jean-Luc, she said. More more, he replied. And then he said, Make it so, Officer Data. <laughs> Affirmative, the android replied. And in what felt like only an instant later, to Jean-Luc Picard, the vision was gone. A few feet behind, where it had been, a figure had stood. It was the being, Q. He was smiling, impressed. Oh. And then Picard fell to his knees. The end. <laughs> Whoa, Whoa, man. Wow. Holy oh, man. That was intense. That was good. I love that story. Like delving into yeah. Jean-Luc's past. That's fantastic. Ah. Oh, <laughs> cool. inexplicable French-British background. Uh-huh. It's perfect. <laughs> Spot on. Oh. Uh, yeah, man. I, I got to say, uh, we, we'll get into some of the more technical details later in the critique but uh this story was quintessential star trek the next generation cool the that moment of conflict so once you get into the data center and there's just this this pathos this what is the human heart implication of this technology and someone forced to make the right decision in the line of duty that was just oh you, you broke my heart every time data was saying do i have the the order captain uh, and that just all the best of TNG. There. Absolutely, really, really well done. Yeah. Cool, man. I'm glad. Awesome. Yeah, I I, uh, I think you you got it exactly. It's this uh, very sci-fi thing that Star Trek loves to do. It's like it's not just about the tech. It's not just about the computers. It's not just about the aliens and the place. It's about it's about us. It's about human beings. And uh, having Jean-Luc Picard go step into the fray and put himself at risk to save the rest of his crew is is such a, a good choice it's so true to the property i love it yeah so andrew how did you approach this one we gave you a lot of stuff to deal with and we told you to solve the mystery of farpoint station was this your first idea how did you tackle it it took me a while i thought on it for a while and the thing that stuck with me was when you said that in tng unlike the original star trek picard doesn't leave the ship as much he sends Riker, and right. i was like no no, Picard is the guy I want to follow. <laughs> this story, if I'm writing Star Trek, the next generation, I want to fi- follow Picard. So yeah. that was the first thing. I was like, okay, I got to set this up to make it see- to make sense that he's the one that's going. 
Um, and then also, because Picard is the character, maybe it's just my love for Patrick Stewart, but he's the character, you know, even though I don't watch the show, that I'm, like, most excited for. He's the one that I want to explore, to know more about. Um, and you guys also said that he, you know, he is a very cold figure, at least in the first season. Mm-hmm. You know, it's their first mission. He, you know, he's still very professional with everybody. He doesn't let anybody in. And so I wanted to tell a story that broke him. I wanted to tell mm-hmm. a story that would made him emotional, um, even though another thing that I was very conscious of was how he showed emotion um, and also how before he went into the room, we didn't focus on his emotions too much and his reactions. And then when we got into the room and the situation presented himself, then I made a deliberate choice to focus on his reactions and his emotions, but still try to keep them as true to the character as I thought he would be. Um, So yeah, Picard was my focus. Picard was the one that kind of drew me in and that was kind of the idea. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Marcus and I had talked about beforehand that we were expecting more of the side characters. Like Marcus had said that Mm -hmm. he was expecting a lot of Worf because he is the the clear uh, physical presence in the show that you wanted to get some some fisticuffs in there with Worf and I was saying that I expected a lot of Riker because he's the you know he's the the closest thing we have to a a, uh, uh, Captain Kirk in the show that I figured you'd you'd latch onto the bravado Um, but you you made the right choice Um, you got a lot of great uh, uh, Marcus what do you got well, I mean, you didn't get any of the secret bonus points, but I think that's more of a reflection on us. And the secret bonus <laughs> sure. points, it's always, I think, better if you don't get them. Because that means that you did something that we didn't expect. You took it to another level there. Very and true. And that was, that was excellent. Absolutely. Like, you, you got a lot of the, um, the great uh, Star Trek details. Um, I love that you threw in that there were a couple of unconscious uh, officers in red shirts. So, like, <laughs> yeah. red shirt sort of joke is always good um you, yep. your yep. Uh, interpretation of uh data is great like spot on like the the way cool. it was intoned the way you wrote him and the way you performed him was all very very spot on <laughs> oh man i loved your use of the words engage and make it so all very <laughs> excellent um good i'm glad you liked those yeah. I, I wanted to plug those in in uh places that were different than you know taken out of a different using a different context than normal you know what my favorite part was what's that beaming chamber (laughs) i forgot what it was called and i thought about looking it up and i was like nope nope (laughs) transporter room transporter room okay i i I tried to recall my 2009 star trek uh, knowledge and i was like i'm not gonna look this up if anyone listening was looking for proof that we haven't actually checked out these franchises before. <laughs> Look no further than Beaming Chamber. Uh, so that was fantastic. Uh, Marcus, you have any other any other notes for young Andrew? Yeah, so I, I will say as a lifelong Trekker, Trekkie, uh, there are some things that just grate at me every time, like Lieutenant Riker is actually Commander Riker. There's no way you would know that. Uh, okay. The fact that there were soldiers in Starfleet is just not... Not at all a thing that they do. Um, But what amazed me in the beaming chamber, of course. (laughs) (laughs) But what what amazed me were how many things that you did just nail. 
So I don't know if we mentioned the Shakespeare thing, but you started with a quote there. And Jean-Luc Picard loves Shakespeare. He loves mm. Earth classics. Uh, did we mention that, or did you just pull that out? No, I did not know that, but I know that Patrick Stewart has a background in Shakespeare, and that's oh, why sure, I plugged that go. in there. Good choice. Yeah, and that was great. And then, uh, as Eric was saying with Data's portrayal, when he mentioned just completely emotionlessly that the system doesn't pick up on android desire, that it only recognizes human desire, that is another one of the great uh, elements of Star Trek. Just the lack of humanity of Data and how he, he'd give up anything to be human. So, I, I, yeah, I wouldn't. Well I, I would. I'd be lying if I say I didn't put that in there for you, Mister Man. <laughs> and how much you love teaching robots to love oh, and I emote. Do. So I had to plug something like that in there. Oh, good. So I, I think we got to move straight into the uh, scores here. So Eric, do you want to give the first score? Sure. Um, although I think you you hit a lot of great Star Trekiness. Um, the story is good. You you made a really strong mystery uh, at the center here. Um, there are uh, some things that uh, that I think could be improved. Um, the biggest thing I can think of is that the narrative depth uh, that you wrote in for this story, um, I think, was a little unclear. Like, I wasn't sure uh, if you were going first person at the beginning, uh, as the log was very is a very first person sort of thing, mm. and jumping into the kind of this uh, this passive uh, third person point of view. Uh, and I wasn't sure how deep we were going. Like, are we in people's minds? Are we just uh, doing the surface details as, like, a cinematic view of the whole thing? Like, I felt it was a little inconsistent. Um, okay. But um, definitely by the time you get into it, like, into the chamber when he's having the visions and the uh, the woman is there, I think that gets really strong. So uh, I'm trying to think of a... A, uh, a scoring system to use for this. Um, I think uh, out of 10 beaming platforms, <laughs> I would give this a solid, uh, I would give it a seven and a half. Seven and a half okay. beaming platforms. All right. Yeah. Cool. So I'll agree with Eric that um, the opening wasn't the strongest. I felt like. You did incorporate a lot of the elements there, but when we really got into the heart of the story, you, you moved me. Uh, getting to Picard, and he had some great moment where he's looking into her eyes and realizing that she's not there. Even though everything's perfect, whatever that human element is, isn't there. And uh, for that alone, I, I really enjoyed the story. So I got to give you three out of four rank insignia. Uh, which <laughs> and you, coincidentally is Commander Riker's rank, so really well done. Uh, and he got well he got the there. bonus points, yeah. And he got the bonus points. Yep, you got uh, number one. You got the the uh, captain's log. Mm-hmm. You got the make it so. You got the engage. The engage used very uh, interestingly, but I liked it. So <laughs> yeah, it was all very good. So if you want to check out Star Trek, if you want to feel stories like this, except, you know, written with more time and effort, (laughs) you can find all Star Trek on Netflix, on Amazon Prime. You can get the DVDs, the Blu-rays. The Blu-rays are beautiful. Uh, CBS has its own streaming platform where you can check it all out. So please watch some Star Trek The Next Generation. Andrew, you're free to watch a couple episodes of the first season now, but I think we'll be coming back to this in the future. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I'm looking forward to it because, like you said, there's some side characters. Like, maybe we'll get Worf in round two. So, 
I'm looking forward to it. You don't have much time left for Tasha Yar. <laughs> <laughs> Could be a flashback. All right. They did that a lot. Okay. Uh, well, thank you, everyone, for listening. <laughs> Tune in to our next episode in this special three-episode batch. And uh, we'll catch up with you later. This has been Sham Fiction. Sham Fiction is produced by Two Jackets Productions, which is Eric Carlson, Marcus Mann, and Andrew Neal. Special thanks to Reed Reimer for providing the music. For a full list of episodes and to read this week's fiction, visit shamfiction.com. Follow us on Twitter at shamfiction, and please, don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. Sham Fiction. Write what you don't know. <laughs>